I think as artists, because you are creating something that was never there, you can get lost in what reality is because you can make everything reality. Das ist der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast, der Podcast rund um Nachtleben und Clubkultur. Wir sprechen mit DJs, Türstehern, Tänzern, Clubbetreibern und anderen Nachtmenschen. Mein Name ist Gesine Kühne und ich bin Jakob Töne. Herzlich willkommen beim Electronic Beats Podcast. Hello, it's me, Jacob Turner, and welcome to the Telecom Electronic Beats Podcast. This episode is in English again, as I talk to the Iranian-Dutch artist Sefta Lisa. The first time I watched a music video by her, I really felt refreshed. It's pop music with a different approach, besides the common song structures and a video that was very progressive in terms of mood and storytelling. Whenever you watch or listen to her tracks, it's all about deep processes of feelings that are very much present. Seftalisa and I talked about the process of her recent album Shabrang and how she's getting so deep into topics without losing her mind. She also told me about her way to deal with this uncertain time and how self-isolation can also be an opportunity for self-care and reflection. But let's get not too much into detail and let's start with a conversation with Seftalisa. Welcome, Sefta Lisa. Hello, Sefta. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. Um, excited about this podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming into our virtual studio. Um, I know we talked about it already, but we've met before a year ago. It was the Electronic Beats Festival in Budapest. And uh, I was pretty impressed by your show. Actually, it was the first time I saw it. I didn't make it before, but I was very impressed about you as an artist so i was very happy to have you there and so nowadays i'm very happy to have you on the podcast thank <laughs> so you so welcome Thanks again a lot. thank you when people deal with your art and you as an artist they notice like you you like to do things differently like you started music uh as an autodidact when you were already 24 years old and you have taught yourself everything from the scratch. Like you make pop music mm -hmm. with Iranian influences and uh, you ran your first fashion show at the age of 31. Does all this make you more and more determined to always be the underdog or is it really exhausting from time to time? Well, I think you said that quite accurately. I think we linger between the duality of those two realities because in fact it is very beneficial to be the underdog from time to time but it can also be exhausting because you're still trying to move big weights and influence something and But you don't have the typical means that a major pop artist or a label has. So, so need to invest more power or what do you mean by that? Well, um, I think it's difficult because nothing ever gives you a guarantee. It doesn't give you a guarantee that 
if you join that kind of major corporation, are they really going to push the weights for you? You don't know that. So I always try to stay more centered with my own reality and not necessarily linger too much on the grass looking greener on the other side. Because in reality, I feel that um, it is hardly ever the case that the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, I agree. Um, getting back or getting to uh, one of your creations, or one of your current creations, uh, you just dropped an album this summer or just released. And um, about your new album, you were saying, this album represents to me that the essence of it all to me is love. It is a deep letter to myself, my own Bible I have to write in order to trust and believe in life, trust in myself and my character as a human being. What do you mean exactly by that? I think that the quote doesn't necessarily need a lot of explanation, but I do think that human beings need channels and, and uh, they need hangers to hang their reality on so it's kind of like pillar points like okay i believe in god or i believe in you know and the stronger the faith is the easier it is for a human being to dedicate their life and kind of structure their life you know it's the same when you find your partner and you're like I want to marry this person or I want to be with this person, then that is a reality that you hang your reality on. And I think as artists, because you are creating something that was never there, you can get lost in what reality is because you can make everything reality. And so isn't, wasn't it you this, need uh, some grounding, basically. Wasn't it a specific or very interesting time then to release the album during a global pandemic, especially in a yeah. time where as an artist, you're very much struggling with a lot of things, even like when, when you're situated in your, let's say, own reality, uh, there's a certain point where it touched with the economic reality and then you're struggling. Was it, uh, the, was it a special feeling for you to have it released in that time? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I was way more present than normal. You know, normally I am releasing something as a secondary activity while I'm on the road or while I'm doing something else. And now the entire release was my primal activity. So it was quite quite strange because I was way more present and therefore I could also feel what was going to be released and also the, the climate of the world. Um, so it was, it was definitely a completely different experience. Yeah. I mean, you've been on the road a lot and also um, in, in a regular time uh, after an album, you'd be on the road again touring. And yeah. I think there was also a tour planned And I mean, you're used to have people around. How was it then to be 
more for yourself and maybe in the studio just with uh, Maki, your Muki, mm -hmm. your yeah. producer, but you're also yeah. producing uh, a lot by yourself. How was it then? Well, I think that I preferred the, the time by myself a lot because I think that I get overwhelmed pretty easily by the being in touch with people. I pick up energies. I, I'm pretty sensitive. <laughs> so I realized that a lot of my life in the past years was more about survival than about actually living. And then like when I had the time to be more to myself and, and have more time with with myself, then I realized that the normal threshold that I used to go for was way too high for me. I just took on way too many things. I But you, was you working twenty four seven. Yeah. Yeah. I needed a step down to realize that 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 the the twenty four seven machine that I had going on for years wasn't really doing the best for my personal life. Yeah. Um, like looking now for the time when you well, you said that um, you were realizing that you were in a rush and uh, like the whole, like your everyday's life was changing immediately as you were more focusing on yourself and not be very influenced by others. How, uh, how do you use the time nowadays or like how is your everyday life now in comparison to before March, before Corona? Um, I respect my, I respect my personal space a lot more and, uh, I spend way more time on, um, on other things than using myself as a vessel for music. So I meditate and I, um, I practice yoga and I, I'm cooking more. I'm trying to to balance myself without the constant force of work. And there's a lot more reflection. So about everything, about the past, about the present and the future. So, um, yeah. So I I'm very that, happy that you gave me this, yeah. this hour to record. With you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very special right now because, uh, I mean... <laughs> It seems uh, obviously when uh, you're releasing an album, there's also a lot of promo stuff going on. And yeah. um, I mean, we're coming to this later in the podcast, but you were also um, having a very special uh, live stream you've mm -hmm. made in August. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I feel very special right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. To, to you get don't your have time. To. <laughs> Maybe um, let's start a little bit um with your roots i mean you don't make a secret out of it you were born in the iran and mm -hmm. you went to the netherlands by the age of five with your parents um when you remember back or can you remember back and how did you feel back then when you arrived in the netherlands i don't remember that much i do seem to get flashes uh, of experiences. But lately I am just feeling more, not necessarily the 
the experiences as a child, but more the energy that is in my body and that has to do with my heritage. And I think that I, as I'm aging, I start to feel more deeply connected to my roots because they kind of inform the part of nature that I am. Sometimes I just feel things inside me. So it's not necessarily experiences from the past, but it's more like spiritually uh, feeling where you come from and why you are what you are. And um, because I think that they are, those are the roots and I'm the branches. And because I'm not really, I haven't been really surrounded with my roots that much. I sometimes am surprised by the branches of the tree. I'm like, where does this yeah. branch come from? <laughs> but now that I'm feeling more and more and more in touch with my roots, I also try, I, I seem to understand the branches more. We can also see that, uh, or as you described, that um, when or while you're aging, you're getting more and more influenced Uh, out of your your dna or out of your heritage um you can really see that in your um, musical discography because <laughs> i mean on your recent album uh, you're also including more and more farsi the the uh, language in of iran and um yeah it's interesting to see the development yeah. it's also visible for the outstanding people <laughs> or the outsiders <laughs> that's nice <laughs> um You were also very influenced by your family, I've read. Can you tell me more about your life at home with your parents? And I think you once said that you're coming out of a family of artists. Is that right? Uh, yes, but this is exactly the same as the, the, the example before, because I was not really present with them. Like I lived in the Netherlands from the age of five. So, I mean, th this is what I mean by discovering your roots. Like I discovered through through stories that my family is like they're all artists, they're poets, musicians. So and it's more the family that is still yeah. in Iran and yes. not particularly yeah, your yeah. parents. Yeah, okay. and there and in that way, I discovered um, that the path that has chosen me is not very unfamiliar in my family. How important is this uh, mixture for you that you're um, getting now more and more influenced by your uh, original or your heritage? I think it's really important because I, I kind of take pride in it. And I, I never used to really see that. But it's like, it's also a lot of subconscious. Uh, there's a lot of subconscious layers going on. I don't necessarily particularly choose to be influenced by something it's like a, an ongoing process and then like for instance i started to notice that when i sing persian songs i sing differently i just somehow sing with the core with the gut with everything and i i already feel like i always do that but apparently when i sing in farsi there something you know, sparks Something's within changing. me. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that is just like the recognition of the soul that it, that that's where you come from. That's your ancestry. That is 
the skills that you tonally refer to the most or uh, that you recognize the most. So I think it's a partial, it's a mix of, of logical things and subconscious things. When we were talking about like the change of influences and um, about coming this out of subconscious, um, how is it about talking about your identity? I mean, that must be very difficult then to always think about your identity. As you started with your musical career, you were not that much influenced by your heritage as nowadays. I don't really think about my identity anymore, except for when I'm giving interviews. Um, <laughs> I think in, in the beginning it, it was necessary because you need a starting point. You need to start somewhere. You need to make it vocally um, explainable to someone else what you want to do. But I, I don't do that anymore. I really don't think about my identity at all. Um, I think it's now it's become like a natural thing and it's like a flow. And I believe that uh, our identities evolve as we grow. And I'm not really at all like I used to separate that from myself. And now it's like now it's me. And that is what makes things a lot easier. I don't need to think about if it's okay to do this or that for the image or, you know, because the image is the identity, you know, and the identity is, is me walking through life. So yeah, it, it's, it's become a lot different than before. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see because uh, when you, uh, or when I look up your videos or watch your music videos, uh, also your show, it's um, a lot about vision and, also staging to be um, like to express yourself also via visual uh, also mm -hmm. via your visual identity mm -hmm. and um, yeah it always looked or how difficult is it for you to think about the vision and then maybe after a time you don't feel that way anymore is there um, or do you feel sometimes also a bit separated of your concepts or No, uh, not at still... all. No, I think it's because I have always stayed really close to what I was in that moment. So I'm, I'm always circle, circling around the center. And the only times I would get a little bit off or lost is when I was like really overworked or traveling very hard. Uh, and I, th I think besides that, um, I've always tried and... and remained centered so plus the work that i publish is is never uh and and like a decision that is based on like a moment it's always been work that has been evaluated by myself for at least like a period of time so no i don't really have that i i, I always try to stay around that center and then I also don't really I don't really regret things so oh that's a good thing because uh, yeah. I mean then you have have also a red line and I mean you can see that obviously uh, when you look or when you watch your the the mm -hmm. older videos and the today's videos the current ones uh, there's definitely a red line and you can see 
a certain signature in, in every work from you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I must be honest, I was pretty impressed when a friend of mine sent me the video of Human. And mm -hmm. uh, at first, the track didn't really catch me as mm -hmm. I was, um, I think at that time, I was a little bit going into a different direction. But I was, I was just, um, yeah, how do you say, it? surprised. I was surprised and there was, there was something new. I haven't seen mm -hmm. and then I got interested and that was my first mm -hmm. touch point actually with you as an artist and then mm -hmm. I got more and more into the music and mm -hmm. like for for um or still nowadays Iceland is uh, one of my favorite travel albums when mm -hmm. I'm like trying to calm down and That's let amazing. my my thoughts uh be thoughts then I'm listening to uh to that album but it's really um, nice to hear Yeah, I mean, it's uh yeah, it's it's a great album. I can definitely recommend. So the <laughs> the new one as it's uh again, it's a surprise, it's different and uh, you can really see that you're developing mm -hmm. and um or what I re what what I'm really interested in is how is the process? I mean, uh, you were saying that uh, a lot of your outcome takes a lot of time and mm -hmm. um like the work for your album was taking like three years or yeah. Yeah. around that. How mm -hmm. is like, maybe you can take us on um, yeah, a process. How do you proceed in your creativity? Um, well, this album was definitely different than the previous album, the process, because uh, I was already on the road and life has had just like taken off so i was basically always on a flight on a train going somewhere so i think that what happened with this record was um i believe that an artist just has to capture whatever is coming to them and so i think that if If when I listen to Aizan, I hear, I hear where I was, and when I listen to Shabrang, I also hear where I was. And Shabrang is more like an album in flux. It's like you hear that I hear that I've been on in many different places, and so what I just try to do is accept that during the period of the record, I was in so many different mind states. Um, but in the end, they're all, always my mind. So I didn't really see that as a problem, you know, like a lot of people say like, you have to write or record a record in one headspace. And I, I disagree because in the end of, at the end of the day is your head. So you are the red thread. And I think that why I was not afraid of that is because It's not only a personal record when it comes to songwriting. I also actually arrange and and compose and produce a lot of the things on the record. So me and Maki, um, you know, take any typical record. There's like 20 people involved. And with you're us, really it, focusing on, on yourself. Yeah, it's not where with us. It's not we have. We work with a few close friends who are amazing in their instrument. And 
they're also friends. So they know what, what we do and they feel it. And they also make amazing stuff themselves. So it's more like a collaboration. And what I just do is I just curate all of the vibes that I've tr tracked. And from there on, you start to craft and you start to like sculpt something. And that was the process in this, for this record, which was very different from the previous record. But um, sounds I really much, enjoy working like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds pretty much like a diary to me. Yes. Like, absolutely. As you, you said in the yeah. beginning, um, it's very personal to you. And uh, that's also something I wanted to highlight because, um, I mean, on the one hand, uh, you're staging a lot, like the um, when you do music videos, also mm -hmm. your your recent appearance uh, during the fashion week, it's pretty, uh, or it seems like it's following a concept. On the other hand, mm -hmm. you're sharing a lot of personal emotions, personal mm -hmm. achievements in your in your uh, career as an artist, and. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for now, for example, uh, you have this concept for of the album. And then on the other hand, you're sharing, yeah, pretty much or a lot of yourself in terms of emotions. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Interesting to see that you're like going both ways. Yeah. Getting back to uh, or your, your uh, process, as you said, you're also, um, yeah, producing, sitting in the studio. I... <laughs> I can see you had a have a little or a small setup at home, and I also saw um, on your Instagram a recent video where you've been editing an, a song by yourself and making another version. So you can really see that um, there's not like a big team behind Sefta Lisa, and uh, 20 producers are sitting there and doing a dance track out of out of an edit. Um, you. Uh, discovered like music producing as a very late stage i mean nowadays a lot of people playing instruments yeah. then having their first computer with 14 and then starting producing right away but uh, you were focused uh, you were a basketball player right yeah you, that was you also played for the, the national teams yeah that was one of the things i i did in my younger life i also just went to university so that was my main Uh, so core so ambition. How, yeah, how did you end up doing music then, um, or end up as a little bit well, provocative? But <laughs> well, I think that uh, in as a human being in life, you you get conditioned. You know, for yourself, you identify as a man, and then when you grow up, you depending on where you grow up, what your culture is, where your background is, but also what is your socioeconomic status, you get this kind of labeling, right? Like, you, this is good, this is bad, this is where you need to go. And, and that's conditioning, which is fine, because I also think that it helps some people to find their way. But in my case, I definitely was conditioned with with realities that don't really suit me. So... I kind of had to dig and see that that reality was not for me. And in my case, that was finishing my studies and realizing that that I never felt centered. And I think um, I think that variety of activities that I 
um, pursued in my younger life, um, they kind of gave me that insight, that spiritual insight of where do I feel home? Where do I feel good? And um, I, I started traveling a bit more, and then I got in touch with different um, cultures. And one of the cultures that really inspired me was the Brazilian one. And um, the way that they were using and incorporating um, music as kind of like the center of life instead of it having played as a soundtrack in the elevator was very inspiring for me. And then I yeah, realized that... It's pretty that, different to the Western Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And also dance and just like they're very physical, you know. they. And I, I felt very attracted by that. I always did from my childhood. I always had this kind of attraction to, to you know, in, in, in Iran, we, we have that same thing. We have this, just this insane amount of passion for um, music and also the physical realm. And I think the West is a little bit detached from that, which is, which I also understand, but it's just a different differentiation. So basically when I was about, I think 23, I started to have these very strong um, insights coming from my subconscious that I, that my entire life was always based around music. Like when I was young, I would remember all the rap lyrics because I was so obsessed by the vocabulary that underground rappers would use and then I proceeded and then I got into this like soft rock phase and I you know and and music could just take me on a journey that others in my near surroundings I didn't see them having that same experience and because I was I was never like playing an instrument or singing I was never really I was never really doing it myself but still the 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 highlights of my life i started to feel that they were all based around music so the highlights of my life were a period where i would go to a lot of concerts or the the moment that i discovered a new record and i would stick to it for months and also i was the type of person who could listen to music for 9 hours a day and not get tired oh wow and, that's a lot <laughs> yeah that is a lot and it would get me in trouble because I, when I was playing basketball or when I was studying or when I was like, even when I had a job, I actually always wanted to listen to music. And yeah. of course it's not really appropriate in a lot of situations. And so I think that at some point, these kind of, these elements, also my own presence, like I have this presence that people always need to make a comment about it's been like this since I'm a child. And I, I think that just my presence and then my own uh, interests and everything that, I, that I've experienced in life started to like kind of talk to me like, hey, hey, we're here. Hey, why are you ignoring us? <laughs> and that's kind of how it started. I never really made a conscious decision. It was just like, I always say this because Like my, some of my friends know that I was saying that before I ever did anything, but I always was saying to my friends, like, I'm an artist. I just don't really know how to make art yet. 
I knew that I was yeah. like, I knew that I was going to do that, but I just didn't have the forms yet. But I always had the ideologies. And even now when I listen to, um, when I listen to my favorite tracks or songs or albums from when I was like 16, I still like them. I've never had this phases, you know, you ask me like, do you ever regret stuff or do you feel like you, you don't really, um, feel that. Anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. no, it, I think that the, the, the strong identity was very, very present. I just needed to find it. Yeah. Interesting. And then yeah. you started your music career and uh, mm -hmm. you also, um, yeah, starting your own label and have full independency. How did that come? Was, uh, was it like also an organic evol uh, development or was it more yeah, definitely. a decision? No, it was organic, but it became more of a decision. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I think it, it's, it's the, It's the mentality of, I think I, I just picked that up in being around different cultures and just mm. being around different societies. And I, it's like, you know, this mentality of like dog eat dog and. You want to be out of this. Yeah. And do you also I, like to have the yeah. full control or are you more like I, yeah, trying I to get I people think, involved? I think that the full control was at some point was definitely driving me, but that is not the case anymore because it's just, it's, it's impossible to do such a project by yourself. And I am very lucky and grateful to have a few people around me that are so incredibly invested in this project. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an organic process of, of, you know, wanting to own your own music because I think, you know, I think about this a lot. I think music is one of the few forms of art that has been abused so much. And for instance, I, I think that, Dance has the same kind of thing. Well, th that, for instance, when you sign to a label, you kind of give away most of your product, right? Even in the best case scenario deal, a huge share of your music um, is not yours anymore. But then when you explain that to people, they tell you, but yeah, but you need to you need to accept that in order to go have you know, opportunities have your have develop, yeah. i don't understand so you're giving away your product for free and for for promotion and for opportunities and then what is the opportunity going to do it's going to give you a new product that is not yours so i think it's very very strange this whole this whole model of the music industry, the more that I'm like aging, the more I don't understand it. That's it's an really strange. Interesting. <laughs> interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's really strange to me that people can actually try to explain to you why you're giving away your music. 
And they actually believe that it's a rightful thing to do. I, I really don't understand that. Can you imagine, like, you're, you're, you've, you've, made a, you've made a body lotion and it's like you're, you know, you're... Like, it's, it's your baby. It's, it's your it's baby. Your it's vision. your perfect formula. And then you, yeah. you, in order to sell it, you have to give it away. That, that's yeah, like that's, nobody does that except for 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 when it comes to the music industry or or dancers it's it's the same with dancers they're you know with that i don't i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> i mean we we've already talked about it a lot but uh as your records are very personal and you you've said it that yeah. you want to be surrounded also by friends by people um yeah you like and you have want to be surrounded by and don't give your products as i was saying about the body lotion that it could be your baby i assume that like every track yeah. every single line of your lyrics is um yeah one of your babies and you don't want to give this in the hands of strangers and people who say yeah we're gonna we're gonna skip that line it's not selling absolutely <laughs> i can i can really yeah. see that um, Absolutely. getting more deeper in uh as we were saying it's very personal and uh you were also talking about the album shoprang mm -hmm. um that you were going up and there were up and downs and very different situations you you were in uh, yeah. when i listen to your tracks i always get the feeling that it's kind of melancholic mm -hmm. uh, i mean i really like it personal but I can really see that a lot of artists are also getting um, a very um, hang to melancholic moods and emotions. Um, like, is it also for you a form or a way to um, yeah, get along with your personal problems you're challenging, ch challenging with? Well, I, that, that is interesting because I was wondering a long time how, How is it possible that I have this infinite pool of melancholy to draw from? Because, you know, as a present being, I do really enjoy my life. So for a long time, I was thinking like, I was kind of overlooking the fact that I have had pain in my body and since I'm 19. So I recently realized that the reason why I don't need to um, experience anything is because I have such a sensible body and such a sensible brain that there's like constantly things happening, coming that I can draw um, creativity from and i i think it's definitely a, a way to deal with that i just oh. have a very very sensitive vessel when you now listen to your own music when you listen to your album uh how does that trigger you then are you like um as you you're saying that um or as some situations were causing a certain emotion mm -hmm. are you then getting back to this point of the emotion or are you then seeing it from another perspective and seeing like okay wow yeah. i yeah i was feeling that way back then 
but now I can really see that there was a development and I'm over it or I'm dealing yeah. way better. Yeah, I think that the process of, of, of recording and making music for me is like a more a self-explanatory road where you look back and it kind of explains a lot to me about myself and it helps me to deal with a lot of things. And um, yeah, when I look at it, I definitely, I definitely see that um, I, I look at it with an eye of compassion and understanding because I, I think this year I reflected a lot on who I am and therefore I, I, I really understand why I make what I make. And it's strange, but I also really understand why people resonate with the music. And I can even sense sometimes what it is that makes them resonate with it. Because, um, and I'm talking about like a more like an energy angle they, i'm not talking yeah. about like personal experiences like you you just told me um that it's your one of your albums to travel with because it calms you down and that really really i really uh, that touches me because i would never have explained that about someone but i do sense that my music i sense that there is a group of people that just they 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 just get those small all of the small details that i've like crafted they it it hits them yeah and they feel it and it's kind of like a high sensory massage you know what i mean with very small needles and i think that that is what happens to me when i make it so now that i'm like proceeding i it's not strange for me that people feel that way anymore so they're they're going this maybe the same process as you did and they're do, or like feeling the same feelings yeah. you had when you were like yeah kind of creating this you know some sometimes some people are in phases of their life and i've been there as well maybe you've been there as well when where you feel like you're numb and then you have phases where you feel everything all the time yeah and i think those numb faces mm, as human beings if we don't if we keep overindulging with everything we get more numb have you ever like l not listened to music for four days and then the first time you hear music <laughs> in your ears yeah you should try I didn't. it yeah you should try it like take i've had like Sessions where I was like in meditation or something and I would withdraw from everything that would give me a sensory or um, a, distraction. Uh, yeah. No, not only distraction, but also uh, um, pleasure. I would withdraw from pleasure. Ah, okay. And then it's super interesting because your brain basically releases endorphins when you eat something with sugar, when you listen to music, when you watch a movie. But the levels of those receptors 
they go from like, let's say zero to 10. And like when you take, uh, let's say you take MDMA or something, I've never tried drugs in my entire life, but um, when you take MDMA, the receptors release endorphins on the level of 10. When you listen to music, it's probably two or three, and it can go back to one if you keep pumping those eights, nines, and tens. But if you reduce all of those extreme um, sensory pleasures, then you start to, um, your brain starts to... Re, re, um, yes, yeah, re, remodel your level, remodel yes, your levels. Yeah, yes. And, yeah. and that has been super interesting for me because I think that my music has those very small little sensory pleasures, you know, it's not big bangs and like, uh, fast satisfaction. Like, you know, radio music has, is written in a certain format to, give you immediate release and pleasure. And I think because I, as a person, do not look for those instant gratifications, my music is not instant gratifying. Yeah, so, it's not easy accessible, yeah. I'd say. Like when you're... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that, no, that, that was what I'm saying when I first uh, watched your music video. I was pretty touched yeah. by the video, but mm -hmm. the music, I had to listen to the, the second time. Because mm -hmm. maybe that's what you described. I mean, you're so used to have an easy satisfaction or an easy access to things and also to, to the music yeah. when you're listening to. And then uh, at some point for interesting stuff and something new, you need a second listen. Yeah. Because otherwise you couldn't, man uh, couldn't realize because your, your level is too high <laughs> to yeah. feel again. Yeah. Uh, I really, I, I don't know if you, um, you, uh, you picked or if you checked this but i really love quotes and uh, mm -hmm. you said a lot of stuff that is really or yeah fitting a lot of uh, what you're doing and um the like one part of a quote is really really matching here like the process is more important than the outcome yeah because like the outcome you're getting a higher satisfaction is not necessarily the the most important thing it's about the process to like maybe gain down a little bit and then start from the scratch i really yeah, like the absolutely. idea of having four days of less pleasure and like um yeah, zero down your uh, levels remodeling really interesting uh, interesting idea yeah um absolutely. as we are facing the end of our podcast i just wanted to like the classical question of what's coming next. Um, you've just released uh, the work uh, or your first work as Sevda Anna together with, uh, with Anastasia Kono Konovalova, the music video for your song Habibi. Is there more to come? Are you going more into the vision, uh, visual direction or what, what's, what's yes, next? Absolutely. As you were also I... relaxing nowadays and yeah. maybe <laughs> calming down a little I'm... bit. I'm really uh, trying to be um, more, I'm trying to do less so I can think of more. And um, I feel that this whole year has given uh, myself the opportunity to really think outside of the box and um, not necessarily limit my 
creativity to a form. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to explore different forms. And I think music um, and visuals will always be driving forces. But I'm really interested to incorporate different forms and try different um, different combinations. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, let's see what's coming next. Uh, Sevda, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it was a real a pleasure. Lot. Yeah, and hopefully uh, meet you soon again in person. Thank you. That was my chat with Sevda Lisa. I was really impressed by her step back and the reflection about her life during the last years. Also to take a break from the media to have a reset and be more sensitive to enjoy it even more in detail afterwards. That's really something that I'll definitely take with me. I hope you enjoyed the conversation too and we are really happy if you leave a review on Apple or text us your feedback on Instagram. I hope to see you very soon. We'll be in touch. Das war der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Abonniert den Podcast bei Apple, Soundcloud, Spotify oder Deezer. Wir sehen uns im Club. Bis dann.